You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. We have an opportunity to, um, to begin a new sermon series today. It's kind of a, um, I want to say it's like a three-week extension of the, the, the tennis series. But I started getting a, little, a few blank looks when I started using t- tennis images and illustrations. Because like only five of us in the whole life of Long's Chapel were actually watching Wimbledon. So, uh, so anyway, so may, maybe this, even this theme, right, of like play like a champion um, gives us an opportunity to reflect a little bit on um, kind of a kingdom perspective uh, about what winning actually looks like and how different it tends to be from the way that we uh, think about that term, whether in kind of current day sports or um, kind of like we win an argument or whatever. Maybe this is a different way of thinking about what it actually looks like uh, to be a bit of a champion. And so we're going to do that over three Sundays. And as Caroline mentioned a moment ago, talk primarily about um, the character of David from 1 Samuel 16, 17, 18. Going to hit that part of, um, of the David story, um, pretty foundational for the rest of what is to come. And uh, um, whether you know that story or not, um, you're going to know it in more detail and hopefully you're going to find richer layers to to the David uh, and most specifically the David and Goliath story uh, over the next several weeks as we have a chance to reflect a little bit on them. I want to challenge you because you think you might know the David and Goliath story. It's pretty popular. It's pretty common. You see it and you hear it and experience it. But like even those that aren't religious will drop some phrase about like facing their giants or something like that. So you know um, there's even a common knowledge of a Bible story when you hear phrases and, and themes like that. But I promise you, promise you that there's more to the story. And one of my goals every week uh, is no matter how deep you are in Scripture or how new to Scripture you are, one of my goals is that every week you're going to walk away with something that you didn't know uh, that God's inviting you to be able to plant as a seed in your heart. And so that's certainly my prayer over the next several weeks is that we have that kind of, of insight. Um, as we think a little bit about kind of the theme of play like a champion, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. And again, Caroline mentioned it as we were in prayer. I just want to tie those things together. And that's that every single person in this room is fighting a battle. Every single person in this room is fighting a battle. I want you to look around for just a minute, will you? Like, don't stare at somebody. Like, I know your battle. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Every single person in this room is fighting a battle. And most of the battles that we as individuals are fighting are hidden. They're, they're not announced. Um, most of the battles that we face aren't on the front page of the Mountaineer, kind of thankfully, right? Like, like the reality is that we have an opportunity to be able to appreciate the fact um, that we have battles that we all face and that um, we all face them. And whether it's a battle concerning health, maybe it's a parenting challenge, maybe it's an issue that has been raised with a a child that's in our care, maybe it's uh, something about academics or school or grades that we feel like we're fighting, maybe it's about work, Um, maybe it's about too many bills and too little money, like maybe it's about a separation and divorce, maybe it's about betrayal, maybe it's about feeling like a lack of purpose, maybe it's about like church life and common church life and what it looks like to find unity, maybe it's 
it's about um, sin. Anybody remember that, um, that hymn that talks about the sin-sick soul, right? We find ourselves in that space. Every single one of us uh, is in a battle that we don't fully understand and that we don't always know how to win. We don't always know how to win. Um, one of the things that's really cool about hanging out with students all week, Ray gets this all the time, but I had it this week, um, is um, you come home with like a new, like a new playlist uh, for music because they're listening to some different stuff and you, you come home with that and you can share some of it, like, right? <laughs> like you can share some of it. Um, and, and you also come home with like, um, I don't know, like some different uh, ideas around movies and, and some different like language. Uh, and one of the things that uh, our group in the car was doing on the way back is they were watching one of the Spider-Man movies, right? So anybody like Spider-Man? As many of you like Spider-Man as like tennis, I can tell, but that's probably just those of you that are willing to say that, yes, I like the, the neighborhood hero guy. But anyway, there's one of the Spider-Mans. There's a lot of them, right? But there's one of the Spider-Mans. It's a great scene where Spider-Man um, is, uh, Spider-Man and the world are kind of tricked by this, um, by this villain, Mysterio, who wants to take over the world. And the way that he's taken over the world in this particular moment, um, and they're gonna have to fight to get it back, right? Is that they think that Mysterio has defeated this huge monster who is like destroying the earth. He's destroying the city. But Mysterio was actually just like making a movie and he had a whole bunch of drones that were actually projecting all of these different images around and they had some explosives planted around and so what folks thought they were actually seeing as a monster and as destruction wasn't actually either right it was a projected monster it like fooled everyone it wasn't real right it wasn't really real but but it changed the the true course of the story because because everybody actually thought that it was so you're going to think with me for a minute, like what battles do we face? What projected battles do we face? Now, I want to invite you back into the story, back to the Bible story, like why David, right? David, because before, like, because before David would ever face a battle, before David would ever face a battle, you know what David spent most of his time doing? If you know the David story, you know this, spent a whole lot of time kind of hanging out, tending sheep, but there was like no accidental things that were a part of David's life. God was beginning to build this larger story. And so there's something that David's life reveals to us that we often forget. And that is this, right? Is that um, somehow, like it's really important that we be able to connect with God in such a way uh, that we have a sense of something that David had. That he knew how to win a battle before he even knew the identity of who the enemy was. I want to say that again because I think it's really important that he knew, right? He knew how to win a battle before he even knew how to identify the enemy that he was going to face. We'll talk a little bit more about that um, next week in um, David and Goliath's kind of battle. But I want you to think about training, right? Just think about training. And here's the thing about training, right? When I say something to you about training, you might think about, like, I don't know, the Waynesville Fitness Center, or I don't know, you might think about Rocky, right? But, but hear me for a minute. Like when David thinks about training, when David thinks about training, he thinks about hitting his knees. So I want to set up the passage, right, for 1 Samuel 16. So Sam, Saul was, was named an anointed king from the Lord, and he observed the Lord's commands going into battle. 
But, but then uh, Saul and the Lord had a little bit of a falling out and he disobeyed God during the battle. In other words, he, he didn't exactly do to the fullness what God was calling him to do. And the problem is we begin to tease out what's actually happening in 1 Samuel 15. The problem is that uh, he's letting the voice of the soldiers that he's in charge of and responsive to, he's letting their voice, because there are more of them, he's letting their voice speak louder into his life than the voice of the Lord. He's letting all of those other voices determine his path rather than the voice of the Lord. And so in other words, he cared more about pleasing his soldiers than he did about pleasing God. Can anybody else identify with that? I want to ask you to raise your hand. We all wrestle with that from time to time. Uh, and so like God regretted Saul's disobedience. And so Samuel's still really upset that God's anointing was beginning to move in a different direction. He's still pretty upset about this. Uh, and so 1 Samuel 16 uh, kind of starts this way. Let me just walk us through this chapter uh, and I'll pause a bit here and there to give some commentary uh, and also to allow our students to share for just a moment or two. And, and then we'll uh, hopefully be able to grab hold of something of God's truth that God has for us today. Uh, again, 1 Samuel 16. So God addressed Samuel and said, so how long are you going to mope over Saul. You know, I've rejected him as king over Israel. So fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. Like I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king that I want among his sons. Well, Samuel says, I can't do that. Like Saul will hear about this. He'll get really mad that there's like competition for this role for him and he'll kill me. Like stakes are high, right? Like, just to pause for just a moment. Like, he wasn't getting his way, and he's pretty mad about it. Can we all affirm that one of the hardest times to trust God is when we're not getting our way? Does anybody like to get their way? Anybody like to get their way? I like to get my way. Do you like to get your way? One of the hardest times to trust God is when we're stepping out in faith, because we're not even getting the immediate payoff of, oh, God, that's good, I'll follow you here, because that's what I was going to do anyway. You ever, you, ever, you ever made that argument? <laughs> like, that's what I was going to do anyway. That's good. I'm glad we're going in the same. I'm glad, God, I'm glad you're thinking like me now. <laughs> you ever had that, that argument in prayer? But the hardest time to trust God is when you're not getting your way and you're not getting what you want. And it's in those moments where we're pushing back against our own will and considering pushing back against God's will. So story continues. So God says, well, take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this cow as a sacrifice. And make sure Jesse gets invited and I'll let you know what to do next. I'll point, uh, I'll point out to the one whom you are to anoint. And so Samuel did what God told him to do. Like when he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him, but apprehensively and said, well, is there something wrong? Nothing wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in the worship of God. Like, this is common space for us, right? Let's do this. Prepare yourselves and be consecrated and join me in worship. How in the world could they say no to that? He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. And so when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliba and thought, well, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, like, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and, and just his stature. Like, I've already eliminated him. That's not who I'm choosing for this job. God judges people differently than, than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God, God looks at the what? God looks at the heart. 
And so Jesse then, right, Jesse then calls up uh, Abadad, and forgive me for the names because I'm really horrible at at pronouncing names, uh, and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, well, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse, uh, well, presented Shammah. Well, Samuel said, well, no, um, like he's not the one either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. And think about that for just a minute, will you? Like Samuel knows that God sent him to Jesse of Bethlehem. God knows that he's kind of like, you know, wants to ordain and, and, and anoint one of his sons. He's gone through like the best lot of sons. None of them are the ones that God has chosen. And then verse 11, and then he asked Jesse, um, it, like, is this it? Like, are there no more sons? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, this is my translation. I mean, yeah, like, like there's a runt, like, but he doesn't really count. Like he's out tending sheep. He's not even here at the feast. I want to pause for just a moment in the story. Because like God is really good at thinking about the people who the world doesn't think very much of. Isn't God good at that? Can we thank God that God's good at that? Like God's really good. God's really good at thinking about the people that the world doesn't think very much of. Jesse didn't even think enough of David to have him at the feast. Like we don't know how old David was at this time. Um, ancient Jewish historian uh, Josephus says that like David was 10 years old. Others guess he was about 15. Let's just say he was somewhere in that range, right? And so that like might give us some indication of how like Jesse in his head would have been going through uh, the options in his head and might have said, yeah, like there's just no way in the world that, that this is the, the son that I need to present. Let me, let me pause there for a moment because we're talking about somebody in their young teenage years. Uh, let me invite those that are going to speak on behalf of the, the student mission trip this week. Let me invite you guys to come on up. Uh, Let me invite you guys to come on up. We'll pick back up on 1 Samuel 16 in just a moment. Um, But Ray, uh, Ray, I think Ray's going to just invite folks to maybe just share a brief word about, remember the theme of the word today is prepare. Like that's what we're thinking about is how God was doing a preparation work uh, in, in David. And so I want you to think about how God has and is and we'll be preparing the students who were part of this trip this week, uh, some of the younger among us, uh, to be able to do that kind of work, preparing them in ministry. So, Ray? Yeah, uh, the people in the room are the adults that were on the trip. So, awesome. Jane and Abby, come on Bring up. Bring them up. Bring Jane, them up. come on up. Bring them up. <clears throat> and as they're on their way up, um, It's surprising to me, by the way, that our students did not make the early service. They didn't make the service that they don't normally do after being gone for a whole week. That's so true. Um, So I know some went back to their jobs. Like they didn't make money for a week and they wanted to make money. So they went back to their jobs. Others are sleeping um, and might be here for the services that their families attend with them. Um, So no, it's not disrespect towards y'all. They just, they're tired and they're tired. Um... I'm going to be brief. Uh, so our students, um, I'm going to hold that up so you guys can't see any of that, but uh, one of the last exercises we did as a team each night, we affirmed each other and affirmed the good stuff that God was doing in each other. Um, and these were words that they used to describe their week um, and describe the work that they did. Um, there's the cool words like rewarding and awesome. Uh, Chris said splendid. Um, but there's also words like overwhelming, 
and chaotic. Um, words like unpredictable. And one of the reasons we do these trips, and I know somebody asked me, why are you going somewhere else when you can do those same things like in this community? Like there's literally the work we did is work we do here in this community. Because here things are predictable, things have order, they know what to experience, their friends are here, their jobs are here, to take them somewhere else and to do things unpredictable, like mm -hmm. choose the youngest son, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, it's an opportunity for them to serve and to set aside all of those other things. So um, there's good growth that happened this week um, as they got to hang out and, and be with uh, the, the people that we are serving all over the place. So I'm gonna let uh, Jane and Abby uh, share some of their experiences. Um, Jane is what I want to see moving forward as far as mission trips at our church. Like, Jane joined the trip not because she was excited about working with teenagers, but because she was invited to go on a mission trip with the teenagers, with the youth group. We want to be on mission together, and the relationships, like, Jane's not going to work in student ministry unless you want to, like, you're allowed to, but I don't think that, that wasn't her end goal of this. Her end goal of this was to serve alongside, and the relationships that she built with the students, and I'll let her speak to that, um, will be great moving forward, and those students will know that when they come to worship that they have somebody that they know. So I'm going to hand it off to Jane and then Abby. Well, I didn't have any preparation for this, so thanks. <laughs> Um, it was a great opportunity. Um, I particularly was grateful to um, get to know the students and the staff better. Um, that was very rewarding to me. But also the service was great. It was um, it was similar service to like we said to what we do here. But the people we were serving were absolutely so grateful mm -hmm. to doing, they were serving 612 meals mm -hmm. each week to people who don't, who really might be using that money for something else. And they're doing a food distribution twice a week to, I would say several hundred. I don't know how many came in. Absolutely. For, um, for historic Longs Chapel folk, the best way I can describe this is this is the, if you combine what we're doing today with the second season in a free community um, kind of pantry, and you combine the meals that were going out the door with the open door, uh, if you combine all those meals weekly that were going out the door, prepared meals that were going out the door at the open door, they do that in one night on a Wednesday night and have, have them delivered. Yeah. So one of the most rewarding things to me was seeing teenagers that are... Um, Grumpy. Um, you know, they're teenagers. Moody. And when they would get there to serve, they changed. They became so willing and helpful. And it was amazing to see how they did that. And I think they were that they were how they were when they were together because they were comfortable with each other. But when they got with those people in service, they just opened up and were open arms and willing to serve and do whatever anybody needed them to at any time. I agree with Jane. Um, the people at Metropolitan UMC, which is the church we served at, they treated us like family and I think we all kind of became one big family there, which is kind of what it's all about. But it was awesome seeing how these people that serve so many people every week, it was awesome being able to serve them. 
they don't have a lot of younger members in their church mm -hmm. that could help them out with little mundane tasks. Like there was a 80 or 90 year old woman on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor and we were like, no ma'am, that's what we're here for this week. So it was just awesome to be able to do that. And then the fellowship we had with them and then also with each other was just incredible this week. I love it. Awesome. Uh, can we celebrate these guys and what they did? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Jane and Abby would, would both tell you that um, spending a, a week with students uh, was rewarding in ways that they could have never anticipated. Uh, it was also challenging in ways that they couldn't have anticipated either. Let's just name that. Uh, and that actually almost made the victory in it um, sweeter because by the time really, really the group had come together, it was a pretty amazing, a pretty amazing experience. And I'll go ahead and tell Bill Ashley over here, Bill, every, every one of them kind of committed to want to serve the second season uh, because we were able to point out uh, parallel jobs and tasks that they were doing there to the things that some of our folks do every uh, single day uh, here in the life of our own community, and, and they're kind of excited about getting involved in that. Uh, good, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Let me continue with 1 Samuel 16. So small was David in his father's esteem that um, wasn't even considered necessary to include him in the family um, when the prophet, is, the prophet of God is calling for a sacrifice and worship, okay? So, like, just appreciating all of that. Let me go back to verse 12. So, Samuel orders Jesse, go get him, for we're not moving forward until he's here. And so Jesse actually sent for, for David who was in the field with the sheep. I want to name really quickly that that was not necessarily the job of a son of Jesse. Had, had Jesse been super affluent, he would have had a servant doing that task, but he didn't, so he had David doing that task. So he was brought in. He's the very picture of health. He's bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, well, like up on your feet and anoint him. This is the one. And so Samuel will, took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brothers standing around watching. And the Spirit of God entered David like the rush of a mighty wind. Spirit of God entered David like the rush of a mighty wind. And God vitally empowered him for what would be the rest of his life. Samuel left and um, went home to Ramah. At that very moment, the Spirit of God left Saul in this place of kind of a sad mood sent by God, settled on him. He was terrified. Saul's advisors, verse 15, said, well, like, this is awful tormenting, tormenting depression from God, is like making your life miserable. So, Master, let us help. Let us look for someone who can play the harp. And, and when this dark mood from God, like, when it you know, moves in, then he'll come in and he'll play his music and you'll feel better. And so Saul told his servants, go ahead, find me someone who can play well, find me someone, and then bring him to me. Verse 17. One of the young men spoke up and said, well, I know someone, like I've seen him myself. It's, guess who it is? The son of Jesse in Bethlehem. He's an excellent musician. He's also courageous of age, well-spoken, good-looking, like God is with him in some pretty obvious ways. And so Saul sent messengers to Jesse requesting, send your son David to me, the one who tends the sheep. Think about that for just a minute. So like God's spirit is working in this whole thing so that like there's this real tension between Samuel and Saul and David. David's not even aware of this tension yet. 
but God is somehow orchestrating that they're all going to be brought together in this moment in the common calls of worshiping God, the common calls of worshiping God to be able to advance the kingdom's work. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse requesting, hey, send your son David. Jesse took a donkey, loaded it up with a couple loaves of bread, flask of wine, the young goat, sent his son David with it to Saul. And then David came to Saul, stood before him. Saul liked him immediately and he made him his right hand. And Saul sent word back to Jesse and said, thank you, David will stay here. He's just the one I was looking for. I'm so very impressed with him. And that whenever the bad depression, um, the, like it, when it set in and tormented Saul, David would get out his harp and he would play. And that would, uh, this is my words, right? I'm inferring into the scripture. That would pull Saul's heart to the worship and reverence and awe of God and that would calm him down and he would feel better as his perspective shifted and as the moodiness lifted. Next week, I'm gonna talk about, a little bit about how um, the, the fact that, that David had been a shepherd had uh, prepared him for a remarkable and very interesting battle with a giant. But in this moment, I wanna invite you to think about what it's like to sit in this space of one that's feeling like their heart keeps getting pulled away from God and to have David, right, who has already been anointed to be the next king, right? I want you to think about the gift of what it means to have David playing a harp. I think we have some harp music. Let me let that go ahead and play off. That David is kind of meant to pull meant to pull Saul's center, pull Saul's center back to the very heart of God. We, we wanna invite you, just over the next few moments, I wanna invite you uh, to be able to do that very thing. So music's gonna play. It's gonna invite you to remain seated as you are. Gonna invite you to the altar if you'd like. I, I'm gonna um, ask uh, uh, Ray if you'll come help me. If you'd, if you'd like um, to be anointed with some oil, then we'll have that here. Oil in uh, biblical times is um, in that anointing task. It's, it's, it's meant overall to symbolize the gift of healing. And, and so for just a few moments, the last thing we're doing in worship, can I just invite you just to, to maybe settle in? Can I invite you to think about how God would touch and gift the heart of David to sit in the king's chambers, a chambers that he will very soon inherit and to play harp music that is in worship of God that lifts, like brings down the spirit and in bringing down this, the Holy Spirit lifts the spirit of one who can only see the darkness who can only see the despair. And it's almost like most of David's life, God has been preparing David for this moment, even though David never knew what he was being prepared for. 
So I'm going to be quiet and just let you just kind of receive the next few moments. It's just a space to set in. For those of you that are not feeling like a contemplative gift, it's okay. You may feel a little uncomfortable. I just want to invite you to lean into it. I just want to invite you to listen to the music. If you'd like just to have the sign of the cross placed on your forehead, uh, you're welcome to come to the altar and, and have that done now. If you don't want to do that, if that's beyond your, your comfort, that's fine. But I just want to invite you to be um, touched and strengthened and healed uh, by the grace of a loving God who is preparing you in this very moment for remarkable plans that like God is like already ordaining and already cultivating and creating in our life.
Ray and I are going to leave these here and, and give you just a few more moments. If you just didn't want to have somebody that could stand in the gap in that space, and you just want to touch the oil or have a word of prayer, I want to invite you to do that over the next couple of moments. Holy and loving God, there is no mountain that we face that's larger than you. Oh God, help us to return to the ancient ways. Help us, oh God, to be able to speak those ancient ways in a language and signs and symbols that all of us living in today's world can be able to receive and to feel the true and abundant gift of. Pray, oh God, that you would strengthen each and every one of us for as you were in his early life preparing David for things he would never know that he would need to face. So, oh God, you, uh, you do the same for us. And we're grateful for that story and how that story is our story. It's a strong and precious name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.